Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by two old and good friends, YB of the normal kind of cast and crew that's been joining us for the last few months here with us tonight. The lovely background office noise that you are hearing is coming from Seoul, South Korea, a great place to be right now in, in the world. Um, and of course, our good friend Donnie, Donnie on the horn, uh, Pod legend himself, Donovan Burns, also with us tonight. Boys, thank you for joining me. I am pretty excited. We usually do this earlier in August, but it just ended up falling this way. We've got all our division previews out, which by the way, just, you know, I know not all of you were involved for all of them, but like pat on the back, like we, we talked about all 32 NFL teams for at least about 10 to 15 minutes. Even the Cardinals got like five or six minutes. So, I mean, it it was more than they they deserved. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, YB. Um, but I mean, it's always, I don't know, guys. I just, I just, not even patting myself on the back, just us as a, as a podcast as a whole. I always, I'm proud when we're able to get out all eight division previews. You know, it's, it's fun. It's fun. To, it's fun time. I, I, I really, I really enjoy it. So, uh, so thank you to everyone who was involved. Thank you to everyone who listened. Listen, there's still time to till the season. It's on Thursday. All those, all those are timestamped. Every single team has a timestamp. So if you just want to go back, listen to your team, go, go check it out. There, there's, there's a lot, lot, a lot, a lot of fun there. So I, I didn't, I didn't quite get to uh, follow up my Steelers diatribe from the season ago with it, with something as epic as that. But hey, I did, I did get to say fuck the Steelers. So there's that. Yeah, it was solid. Donnie, how are you doing? You know, I'm good. I just want to mention this guy had me on. I'm a Giants fan. This guy had me on for the NFC North. Like, he made me talk <laughs> about those pitiful, mediocre football teams for we went we went for an hour. So, like, normally I would expect like an hour and a half to two hours with Eric. Guy just loves to talk, but he he brought me on for the NFC North. Like, and that feels a little bit disrespectful, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I man, I, at least I I didn't. At least I didn't bring you on for like the AFC South. South or something the like AFC that. South would have been bad that's true <laughs> but honestly no but, but I'm a sicko you want to know something I'm actually super interested in what happens in the AFC South um I like I like I like the tight I like the Titans I like the roster build up there I'm interested to see what happens with Trevor Lawrence like they're two good, like big time rookie QBs in that division. I might be watching a lot of AFC South football this year. I don't know. I'm sorry for you. You really are a sick man. I I I I just I you guys okay, come on. We're, this is the quarterback show. We are talking about quarterbacks. We do this every year. It's a it's a an abject disaster every year because ranking quarterbacks is entirely subjective. Nobody does it the same way. But it is a fun way to talk about all the teams, talk about all the quarterbacks. It's a quarterback league. We're going to talk tiers. We're going to talk rankings. We're going to talk it all. And we're going to do it all in under two hours. That is my promise to the both of you. Under two it hours. It better be. Under under two, under two hours today. Certainly hope so. So this is what I'm going to ask both of you now, because I think both of you did tears. 
how many tiers of quarterbacks are there in the NFL for both of you right now? How many, just give me like how many tiers we've got. I actually didn't do tiers originally because I was told not to do tiers, but I, I'm going to put it in a five tier list because I, I feel like that's the most fair way and, and rational way. I don't need to have a, I don't need to have anything more than five unless somebody's really, really bad, which I, I personally, I don't have any, any of that. Like, I don't think any of the starting quarterbacks, unless, you know, Kyler Murray doesn't play this year. Then we have a, an entirely different conversation here, but uh, I think everything will be fine. So I had five tiers. I could make it six if need be though. So just, just let me know here. For me, like it's uh, because I have one special tier at the top and one special tier at the bottom. It's seven. So basically five, except there's one exception on each end. So kind of similar, like, Okay. I think I'm 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 looking here right now. I'm gonna say I have six tiers. I have Most, six tiers. Pretty much like I think like that's the consensus opinion on how to divvy quarterbacks, especially the guys that haven't played yet. Like none of the guys that came in this year in the rookie craft feel like they're gonna like in like all of a sudden take the take the league by storm in the rookie year. Like the odds are against them at least. So it's hard to place them too high. Brad's not here tonight. I wish he was. Uh, I always wish Brad was here, but Brad Brad's a, a strange man who's <laughs> traveling around bad parts of Calgary and moving furniture and never never around when we need him. But furniture, uh, right? Like, is but, that is that the is that the code word they use for fentanyl now? Or yeah, I mean, he's he's just involved in shady dealings these days. Um, but I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Let's just. There's no debate at the top, like no need to spend an hour talking about like, oh, crazy, like we've got some different people here, like Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback. So let's just let's just give a moment here to just kind of say congrats, Patrick Mahomes. You are the number one quarterback. You're an incredible quarterback. You're going to make my life miserable for the next 15 years. Okay, good for you. Good for you, Patrick Mahomes. Yay. Get your little moment in the sun, okay? No, no, you can't do any wrong. There's nothing wrong with Patrick Mahomes. He's perfect. He's Mr. Little. He's a little Mr. Perfect boy with his perfect, perfect football uniform. So I mean, good, good, good for him. Good for him, I guess. You sound like a massive hater, Eric. Just a gigantic, massive hater right now. I mean, either that or either that or Brad has been like in his DMs like no nonstop over the past twenty four hours, probably something. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when what. You don't know Brad well enough, Donnie. Uh, he makes it easy to be a hater, to be honest with you. <laughs> now, at some point, am I going to watch my homes and be like, man, I just love watching good football and like this guy's so pretty with it and so saucy, like so, so goaded with the sauce, you know, like I, I, yes, that's going to happen. But right now in, in August, while well, we're going to talk about, for the next week, like who's in the playoffs, who's going to the Super Bowl, and everyone's gonna be like, Well, the Chiefs are probably gonna win it again. Like, I, I have a right to hate this Kansas City Chiefs and everyone on the roster. So that that that's uh that's where I uh that's where I uh step in. Um I'm looking I mean, like here- if we if we're gonna if we're gonna mention Mahomes, obviously he's gonna be he's one on everybody's tier list. Like and it's not it's not for no reason, like whether you're talking personal stats, advanced stats, team success, he's got all of it. So it's hard to debate. The, yeah. the debate at one is not really a debate at all. And I don't think anybody that's had, that, has a, that has a logical brain 
and you watch his football, we'll debate that. I'm going to make an argument here, though, and this is going to be our first talking point of the night. <clears throat> I think you can still – I don't think he's in his own tier. I don't believe that. I know you, you have is. him in, in his own tier, but I don't he believe is. he is. I believe that the the three guys that we kind of universally have under him can be just as good as him at any point. They just don't have generational offensive coaches around them. Like – that is, that is foolish, Eric. His, but he's doing it with no. Josh weapons. Allen like, can make any throw. Patrick Travis Kelsey is a weapon, so let's yeah, let's I mean, that. Well, okay. Outside of that, the receivers are very, very mediocre, and it's really hard to argue that they're any better than mediocre. I would say compared to any other like really meaningful team that wants to actually try to win games, they usually add a couple receivers in there. But you know, like Josh Allen is definitely he's talented, but like. There, there was, there was separation there, Eric. Patrick Mahomes, if he had the Josh Allen turnover, uh, the turnover, I guess you could say propensity, whatever. He very, very frequent. Um, has, I don't know if it's like a lapse of judgment or just like an overconfidence, maybe. But Pat Mahomes doesn't have that type of. You don't, you don't have to deal with that. Like he's gonna have some, he's gonna make some mistakes. Every quarterback's gonna make mistakes. But Josh Allen is way more frequent and way more. Uh, I, I, the propensity, like I said, to make a mistake or have a turnover, a kill a drive it is a little like not even close to me. Like they're so separated at that point, which is why I would say that. And obviously like, I'm not going to even talk about Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes because it's not really a debate at this point in my eyes. So uh, that's, that's my thought here, at least. I think it could be a debate though. But it's with, not, with Hertz, it's really no. foolish. It will be really, no. really stupid to make that decision. Hurts is very good, if, but. Hertz is very, very good, but like if you want to put him in the same like 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 you know how even in a tier there's kind of like uh divisions within a tier, you know, you kinda of know who's at the top of the tier and who's kinda of more towards the middle or the bottom of the tier. Like Hertz had a remarkable season last year, and I'm a big big fan of Hertz in terms of how he's like overcome like the obstacles put in front of him. And also when now that he's got the weapons that I think he was lacking his first year, he was able to evolve his game to maximize that talent. And I like I love watching Hurts, like not the least because I have him in several fantasy leagues. But but to say that after one year of like MVP caliber play, which I think he was like last year, and I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, it might have been a legit 50-50 split on that. Although I think Mahomes played excellent last year and fully deserved his MVP at the end. Like to do that, say that after one year when Mahomes has basically led his team at minimum to the AFC title game, and every year he's been a full year starter. That's that's not for debate. And Eric, let me ask. Last year on your QB show, do you remember where you had Jalen Hurts coming into the year last year? Do you remember where you put him? I would argue. I would say probably between like fifteen and twenty. Yeah, so I think that would be the the general consensus. Like you can't after one year of a, of a guy having unbelievable. He was unbelievable. I'm a Giants fan. I got to watch him torch everybody in the division. I got to watch him torch the Giants. Like it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant time for me. But it just it's one year, Eric. Give him if he does the same thing that he did last year. This year, maybe maybe we can start talking about it. But still, like you know, we're we're a little far off here, Eric. A little bit but, a little bit gunshot on my end. Okay, so that's going to be the biggest argument you probably both have with my list. I have him too. I think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. I think a lot of people discount the Super Bowl over and over and over again for some reason, but the Super Bowl counts just as much as the same. And if he doesn't have one play where the ball slips out of his hands, he 
I would argue outplayed Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Like if you go back and watch that game, Jalen Hurts was absolutely incredible with the throws he was making and the way he was moving that offense. And if they don't get screwed on a call and they don't fumble the ball, that thing can totally flip. It's not like they get blown out. I I think it's a, a very tight Super Bowl. And I think they were both playing at comparable levels. That's just, that's my only argument. I understand people who, who might want to say, like, give it one more year, but I think it will happen another year. He has the same weapons around him. He's still a good runner. I think he's the best running quarterback in the league, and he can only really improve as a passer, which he did throughout last season. He's His beginning of the year to his end of the year, the way he was throwing the ball, like... I don't know. He did improve throughout the year. And I, I think he can improve. I, I think he can improve more. I, I'm just very high on him as a player. I would say he's the guy that I know a lot of people will disagree with, but I think he's in tier one already. I don't I don't need to see another year because I'm confident he'll be able to repeat it. Do either of you think I don't think any, I don't think any I, of us have to have him outside of tier one. I think the fact that you okay. have him at number two overall, I think that's where the argument goes because you take the arguments you just made about obviously he led the team to the Super Bowl, didn't quite get there, but obviously leading the team to a Super Bowl is a very big, is a very huge, is a huge achievement. And a lot of talented quarterbacks haven't been able to do that, even though they're very talented. But then you take all the arguments you made. And so why is he above Joe Burrow then? Because Joe Burrow did the same thing a year ago. And then he's already proven that he can maintain that level of performance last year when arguably he might have, you can say he might have played better than the year before. And uh, in the same, you mentioned like the Eagles, like uh, losing a very close Super Bowl on a ticket tack call. So did the so did the, so did the Bengals against the Rams, and uh, almost probably even more of a ticket tack call. And and absolutely, yeah, second after the sec after his Burrow's second year when they made it to the Super Bowl, like there was a lot of debate about whether like he can keep this up. Like obviously because he has the weapons, like the odds are stacked for him in that regard, but. Nobody was putting Burrow two at that time. And this is exactly why I don't have Hertz at two, because Burrow was forcing at two. And then he proved it all more year and basically played a, a, he they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs and lost in heartbreaking fashion, as much as it pains for me to say. But if that and I I think I've emphasized over the past over the course of this podcast that I view past achievements especially in the recent few years i weigh them a little higher i think than most people so that's why i have a lot that's why i have no no arguments about putting mahomes one because he has the achievements and the and the talent and so by that by that metric i don't see how you can have Jalen hurts over joe burrow because burrow did the same thing that hurts did last year two years ago and then he and then he followed it up with a season just as good last year yeah i was just to explain my mindset, I had Burrow at three behind Josh Allen because I, I just appreciate Josh Allen's ability to run and create plays uh, on the ground. Just my perspective, just a, a, a comment. I, I think you could commonly find Burrow at two more yeah. frequently than Josh Allen maybe at this point even. Uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't going to put Burrow anywhere further than three. Uh, I thought long and hard about having Burrow at number two. And if there is a quarterback in the league that is a Pat Mahomes comparable in terms of talent level and ability, it's got to be 
it's got to be Joe Burrow, right? Like uh, not much question for me, at least at this point. Although I, I will say one more year, Eric, if we get a better passing Jalen Hurts on top of the, the run game, obviously, I just want to mention, he's not the best running quarterback in the league. We're just, I'm just going to stop that. I'm I'm still going uh, yeah, to give I I totally disagree with that, by the way, Donnie. I think you can watch the tape and easily say he's the best running quarterback in well, the he, league. He moves like you... a running back. No one cuts like he does. Like maybe Lamar, but like I, I would take – Jalen Hurts' running ability over Lamar Jackson's right now. I believe he's over that Justin good. Fields' ability? Yeah, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson are very clearly better runners because Jalen no, Hurts is I, there. I, I think Jalen Hurts has has been both feet. I, I really do. It, it depends how you feel about the design run, uh, yeah. forcing, forcing runs versus making plays – in past plays when you have to just scurry and get away. He I, did I don't that. think he did. That I don't think Jalen hurts does not have the so Justin fields. fields or Lamar Jackson ability at that level. He might not like, have the speed, but he has the agility. He can make the cuts and he's a powerful I, runner. He well, trucks I, guys, dude. I understand that, but it's a different type of, of running ability entirely because Jalen hurts is, is running primarily on QB design run plays. That's what he was getting called. He was making the angles. He was, and obviously at the goal line, like he's, it's a guarantee having Jalen Hurts there. But uh, Eric, Justin Fields last year was nuts on the ground. He was incredible. He was electric. He was he broke the hearts of millions of non-fantasy owners. Anybody who didn't have him was sitting there like, like I, I goofed up really bad here. And I mean, like Lamar, I, I don't think that I, even if Lamar is hurt, like I, I would I would bank Lamar coming in as, as a better running quarterback this year. Um, I'll give Jalen Hurts three. Maybe like Josh Allen's pretty close to, I would say they have similar ability. Uh, he's better. He's a better runner than Daniel Jones. If that, if that makes it, makes you feel any better. I like Daniel Jones as a runner, but Jalen Hurts a little bit better, but yeah, Eric, we got, we got to calm down on the Jalen Hurts running. We got to stop pumping the tires. Give him another no, year. I, Just I, wait, I totally, wait. I totally disagree. And I hope, RK hears this. and I hope RK hears this and says, he'll agree. Some, he's and, an and Eagles fan. He'll some, tell you. And, and sends you some nasty texts because Jalen Hurts is, literally a running back like no i i he is the second but you best just called runner. him the best quarterback in the league a second ago and now you're saying like come on eric eric Dude, eric, eric. He, he is he he can throw he can run like a running back it he, he's a Dude, I, 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 i'm not changing my opinion on this one we can move on but i'm not yeah. changing my opinion on this one i mean that's, okay. i mean that's perfectly fair so so i mean it's an opinion you can have and like there are definitely points to be made that Jalen Hurts because of his efficiency as a runner and also because he get he can handle the goal line stuff, which uh doesn't bode well for any other Eagles running backs, but that's an that's a different issue entirely. <laughs> but but then like it depends on how you value the running, as Donnie said. Like whether you view the efficiency and the and the power that Jalen Hurts has. I think Jalen Hurts is a more balanced runner in terms of like a mixture of speed and then the power that you mentioned. Josh Allen, I think, has more power, but I think he's a little bit slower. And Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson are faster, but they're they're not as prone to try to truck people. I think so. So it's I think it's a stylistic issue more than a, more than really a talent issue in that regard. And so, like I mean, people can view Jalen Hurts as the best running quarterback, and that's an opinion you're allowed to have. But to say that he's clearly the best runner, I think that's where Danya and I have an issue. You were very matter of fact, Eric. It, it was so matter of fact you saying that. So I just, I just wanted to make sure that we touched on it. I, I, yeah. I know. I, I just, I really do believe it. it it's something I, I, I believe in. Sure, you can say like wheel, like speed. Speed does not make you. Speed is not the end all be all. Like 
but neither I, is I believe he is a better pure runner than Justin Fields. That's what I believe. Well, I, I think I, a lot of people would say, you know, they'd probably rather both Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields get away from the run game entirely because it's very dangerous. But I would say Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, again, we just need we need another year. Give it one more year, Eric. And then next year at the QB show, when when he uh, when he wins MVP this year, uh, maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe I'll say that you were right and I was wrong. It'd be the first time that ever happened, the first time that I actually admitted defeat in this situation. But maybe you've got me on this. If Jalen Hurts wins MVP, I'll come on. I'll, I'll admit that you know you you're the smartest football brain in the world, and I'm just I'm just a little dunce here to uh to, to laugh along and be the wrong the wrong opinion haver in this situation. Okay. So I think that's tier one covered. You know, we pretty much hit on everyone. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. I, I guess YB, I asked you this during the AFC North show, but that was before this injury. How concerned are you with Joe Burrow's health right now? Because I, I don't, I, I won't lie to you. Like the calf stuff, it just scares me. It just really, really scares me. Cause I, I feel like that's something that can be pretty easily re-aggravated. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a level of concern because, like, for some odd reason, Joe Burrow can never have a normal offseason. So that's kind of – it's a recurring talking point. And obviously with the cap, because it's something that – I forget which leg it was. It's probably, I think it's his plant leg. So that's, Oh, that's, that's even not, worse. That's not a great thing. But apparently he's back to practicing today in full. So, I mean, that's just – at least I think that's what I cursed. like kind of glanced over on Twitter anyway. But um, – I'm not too concerned. Like, if they if they choose to say like play it safe and kind of let him sit out game week one, then maybe I, I mean I'm perfectly willing to like accept that because the Bengals in, in the situation they're in now, their their main concern isn't winning on opening day. It's whether they're alive and kicking and healthy in in January, February, and hopefully February. So, I mean, they, I think they'll play it safe and. I mean, the contract issue also is, some, is probably also a point of debate because he's the one that has gotten extended yet. And there are a lot of speculation as to exactly why when Herbert and Hertz have gotten their extensions. And so it's it's kind of a black box because Zach Taylor doesn't, like, despite his kind of act, like, gregarious nature, doesn't really open too much to the to, to the media. So I think all of us in Bengals fans are kind of, like, wondering exactly what's going on in there. Hopefully it's for the best. And like Burroughs obviously has a lot of affinity for the franchise and for the staff and the team. So like it's, it's not panic level yet, but there's kind of some concerns about why hasn't this gotten done already? Like, so that's, I think those are, it's not as for the cap, it's a concern, but I don't think it's a debilitating concern. Got it. I want to jump around our list here because too often this devolves into just where I have guys on my list. And I think it's more interesting to kind of amalgamate all three tier kind of two wise moving away from the top guys. We're pretty much all in agreement that the top guys right now are Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Burrow. That's right. That's kind of our, well, would everyone look agree? At, look that at that's... Donnie's list. Like he has Herbert at four, which I'm, I don't, I don't, which I don't have too big of an issue with. I have Herbert at five. So. It's just more me being uh, wanting to give the, another year to Jalen Hurts. Obviously, we saw Justin Herbert two years ago was was incredible. Last year, not as good, but it's hard to it's hard to take away from a guy that was still a very very solid quarterback throughout the year. Obviously, I think Jalen Hurts is probably a better quarterback 
this year come week eight. And I'm not, I'm not super surprised if that happens, but I'm just, I'm banking on what I know. And I know Justin Herbert's going to sling the ball around 700 times this year. And, and I mean, it should be, you would expect improvement, I think, what, out of me, his numbers. Okay. So thank God Brad's not here. Or he'd have an aneurysm. Uh, but, um, Okay, you know, it's widely known. I like Justin Herbert. I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a closet Chargers guy. I always have been. Donnie, I need you to qualify something for me. What What does a successful Justin Herbert season look like this year? First off, I mean, like, I think that you have to – I don't. it's dramatic, but, like, it's not necessarily all on him to have a successful season. It's more about everybody else, like staying sort of kind of healthy and giving him options. Cause it, it, we really haven't seen like, but we know I, I they will. Really... Let's let's, let's just assume that we know the facts. It's like, okay. So, so, so I'm thinking that I'm thinking a, a 10 win season at minimum, it has to be maybe nine. I, I don't know if you sneak in the playoffs at nine. So I'm going to go with maybe 10, um, 30 touchdown passes, sub 12 interception season uh yeah somewhere somewhere like I, i'm not expecting like crazy numbers out of him and I, he's not going to rival mahomes or burrow numbers i don't think uh consider if everybody stays healthy but i would think like a 30 td 10 pick season um wild card i, I would hope wild card competitor but i really just i, I can't tell you can never really tell what you're going to get out of a charter team um, but I, I would say successful would be 10 wins, uh, a solid, a solid season where they don't turn the ball over very much. Um, that's, that's pretty much all I got for you. So is he, is he a tier one guy to you? At the bottom of tier one? Yes, I think so. Because we saw him after 2021 season before coming into last year, I think most people would have told you there's not really much of a question. Like this guy's going to get better. And the fact that last year's season was a little bit disappointing was really like, I, I was surprised that he had such a drop off in terms of just overall number and overall production. Uh, but I, I really find it hard to hold it against these young quarterbacks that maybe don't have the most stability in the world, given the fact uh, the coaching staff is always a mess. It feels like uh, his receivers are never healthy. Uh, Austin Eckler is constantly looking for a new contract. It seems like the last year and a half, it's been uh, a little bit of point of contention. Uh, I'm, He's either the bottom of tier one or the top of tier two. And I, you can't put him any lower than the very top of tier two, I feel like. So uh, I am a big fan. I think that he will bounce back. I'm assuming that he's going to have a really, really strong year. Uh, I would be really surprised if he had another year like last year where maybe like things weren't going uh, as smoothly. I feel like he's got everything he set up perfectly to have a successful year. Um, so I, I would say... I would put him in my tier one still. I, I'm not, there's no real question for me. Um, and I would be really surprised if he was out of the tier one after this upcoming year. Like I'm thinking we're going to get a good year out of Justin Herbert. That's interesting. I just would not put him as a, a tier one quarterback right now. I am a big Herbert guy. I, I like what he offers. I, I think that his arm talent and, and the talent he has is on par with tier one guys, but I don't know. I, I know it's such a stupid Twitter argument, but you know, I've, I'm off Twitter less for that reason. I do think wins are a quarterback stat, you know, like, and, and part of me just like, I want to see him. I want to see him win because he, he hasn't really won a lot um, yet. I think, I think that's kind of Brad's argument that I've kind of flipped to a little bit. I'm pretty low on the chargers this year, to be honest with you. I don't even know if they're a playoff team for me, but 
he's just got some proving to do. He's got a new offensive coordinator this year. I know he's he's going to be behind the eight ball because he has two very fragile wide receivers who are not going to stay healthy. But I mean, he he's just they've he's got to show something more than what he's shown thus far for me to put him as a tier one guy. I totally agree. He's you could call him a top five quarterback. You could put him in tier two. But this, I honestly, I had him at seven on my list, which I think is the lowest I've ever put him. And I just, I just need to see it. I thought last year he did regress a little bit, even though the wild throws were still there. Like, I just, I don't know. It, YB, do you think it's fair to like to ask that from from him? Because I, I just feel like he hasn't done enough to prove that he's in the same conversation as Burrow and Allen. I mean, this is kind of the oh, the huge, uh, kind of the uns, unspoken rule when talking about quarterbacks is that when they support your argument, quarterbacks are to win stat. When they don't quarterback, the like, quarterbacks and wins are separate. But whether you like it or not, even like the court, the quarterback rankings, especially, are going to be based on what you've done in the postseason. Like, and it's un, it, like whether that's a fair, whether that's fair is a different issue entirely. But like, I think Herbert, in terms of what he's done in the league, and if you look, if you look at his stats last year, like, like you mentioned, twenty twenty one, his second year, like he would, he pretty much lit the league on. Everyone feels like he lit the league on fire. Like he had over thousand, over five thousand yards, thirty eight touchdowns. Like, no, this like last season, when you look at the cumulative stats, he had close to forty eight hundred yards. Like it's it's not like he had a like a, a precipitous drop off. Like he had a precipitous drop off in terms of touchdowns. But other than that, I think, and also his depth of target. But that's like people are saying that's a product of his offensive coordinator more than like Herbert. And also, I don't think we knocked Joe Burrow for getting a lower average depth of target when people are playing too high shape, too high safety shells all over the time. So, like, I understand the argument because Herbert, like, and the the currently the lasting memory of half of Herbert is that meltdown in Jacksonville. So that I think also doesn't help with the perception. But in terms of talent, like in, in terms of quarterbacking talent, I think Herbert is like. It's like it's hard. It might be difficult to say because of like what he's done, what he did, what Hurts did, and what Herbert did last year in terms of what they're how they how far they took their teams. But I mean, you can make the argument Herbert is a more talented quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Like you can make the quarterback that physically he's a more gifted quarterback than Joe Burrow. Like you can make that argument. Like it's it's not going to be a popular argument, but you can make the argument without having be like having it be just a ridiculous argument that's left off left off. So. Like I can understand, like because quarterbacks eventually got to be judged by wins, whether you like it or not. So, and like he hasn't done it, he hasn't gotten to the postseason in two years, and also he, when he got there, he had an epic melt. There was an epic meltdown. So, like it's fair to it's fair to kind of ding Herbert for that. But like when you think about the other guys that are in, that could be list, right listed right next to Herbert, like all of them have their dings as well, so to speak. So, and I don't put Herbert's uh, imperfections on Herbert as much as I think I put it on the, like, was with others. I think I would put it more on them as opposed to the system around. Like, it's, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you think about it logically. <laughs> but, like, I, I would still have Herbert no less, no lower than five, personally. Hmm. Interesting. 
yeah, I'm just I, I do I do buy Brad's argument, but more I hear it over and over and over again that like yes, he is a very talented player, but like let's see like Patrick Mahomes also has excuses for him. Like he doesn't have the best wide receiving core in the world. Like Josh Allen has done it with multiple wide receivers that aren't just Stephon Diggs. Like if Stephon Diggs goes down, but Buffalo Bills offense doesn't totally disappear. Like I I, I think it's, it's just interesting to see, you know, Joe Burrow has done it without an offensive line. Like Herbert has like all these built-in excuses, but like the fact is he's never like fully put it together enough to be like a no doubt top three quarterback or for people to view the Chargers as as a real contender, which I, I I guess maybe that's not fair, but I don't know. I just I, I just feel like I need to see more from him. Like if if we're really gonna hype him up, if we're gonna say like Kellen Moore is gonna change this offense and he's a bright offensive mind, okay, then go do it. Like you drafted Quinn Johnston, like go like go put up some numbers and be an explosive passing attack. And truly challenge for the division. Like, let's see it. Well, I mean, my only wait, thought on. there. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, my go only ahead, thought with, with looking at your list, you have Lamar Jackson over Justin Herbert, which is kind of like where I I have a little bit of an issue there. Just like if you're arguing get having it done, getting it done, Lamar Jackson has certainly not got it done. He can't even stay healthy through a full season, and we've established. But that that's health. It's like that's health. Justin Herbert but, is but, health, and, and he also lost three playoff games. Pretty pretty mediocre performances in every playoff he's ever played in every playoff game he's ever played in. Uh, if I'm not super mistaken, maybe he had one good playoff game in there, but Lamar Jackson has been very unsuccessful. I'm not holding against him. I had him at six on my list. I think he's great, but him. And if you're arguing, I want to see Herbert do it. I really want to see Lamar Jackson make it a full year and win a playoff game. Like that would be great for me to see too. I feel the same way. So I, I think that's just like my only, my only question on your, on your, the listing there, like, yeah, it, no, I that I think that's totally fair. I think I like Lamar's like the flash plays Lamar Jackson shows. I like them more than the flash plays Justin Herbert makes. And that's why those are different. I think tier two um is is just interesting to me. We can talk more about Lamar Jackson. I think he's a very interesting guy this year. Do either of you think he's going to stay fully healthy? Because at this point, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the Todd Monken offense is such a mystery. He didn't play in the preseason at all. Like, we've seen him throw the ball. People that argue that Lamar Jackson can't throw are stupid and don't watch football. But, like, we've never seen him, like, in a pass-first offense. Like, Greg Roman was running, like, 20 yard digs with like his best like his best wide receiver for most of Lamar Jackson's career and now he's got a real passing attack and there was that quote about like Todd Monken didn't want him using a wristband because he wanted to like put more on audibling and like I don't know I don't I just I want Lamar to be good and I think that at his peak, 
this could be the best thing that ever happens to Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens are that fourth AFC team, and he is in tier one, and they are just rolling. But I just don't know how confident I am in that actually being the case because of the injury stuff. Like, and it just seems to happen to him at the worst points of the year. Like, it's always late where we have to watch Tyler Huntley in a wild card game. Like, I, it, I don't, he, of like the top tier guys, I think Lamar Jackson is extremely hard to evaluate. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, because like, I mean, the man has a regular season MVP. He plays, he plays, he's uh, put up some historic numbers in the regular season. And then when you get to the playoffs and you kind of have to, uh, I mean, in the playoffs, like he hasn't been as great. And some might argue that he's been the reason why the Ravens lost in some of those games. Like, I don't, I, I don't subscribe to that, but, but Lamar, because, and with the injuries, like, it's kind of weird because it's not like Lamar got hurt, like, when he was, like, outside of the pocket and, like, running around, like, trying to make something happen and then got, and then got hit. He got hit in the pocket. Like, he got hit in the pocket and got hurt. Like, that can happen to any quarterback. Like, obviously, it's disturbing when it happens twice in two seasons. But and but it seems to happen to Baltimore. I think that, I think there's something in that stadium and also in the training regimen and whatnot. But I think now that he's reassured about his financial future, congrats to him, and that he's like like with a new with a new coach, just like Justin Herbert. Like there's a new coach and there's a lot of hype about you know like whether going away from the Greg Roman system, which stag- which tends to stagnate over the, over the course of his existence, is a good thing. And I think it will be because Lamar has an arm dude as an arm like but it's like i i still respect lamar immensely because of the un, like the unpredictable nature of what he can bring like and the only reason i think he's as low as he is on my list, which is six which i don't think is low at all is that because he hasn't been able to finish the past two seasons that's not completely his fault like you can't control how you get hit in the pocket <laughs> it's like Maybe maybe someone like Mahomes who seems to have a way to distort the space around him can have that happen. But with Lamar, like, like maybe it's because I've been terrorized by Lamar in my course in the course of my life as a Bengals fan. But I I respect Lamar and like I don't hold the injuries too much against him. And now that I think he's like more like mentally sound about his future, in because he has his contract. I think he'll. I think he'll bounce back. I think that I will do just as much for him as I think. As I think Todd Mel can change with it because I think when you're thinking about how this could be the end, regardless of how much good you've done for this team and how much you've carried this team, and that whether these guys are human, it's going to weigh on them. It's going to kind of make them feel as though, do I should I really go 110 for this? Like. like so I think this year, Lamar, I think will bounce back and whether he stays healthy, I think it's a random issue because he get hit in the pocket and we missed the last four games like he did last year. But if he is, I, I think he'll have a very good year. More than the guy they're hyping up in Cleveland, that's for sure. Donnie? Yeah, I mean, like, maybe it's hard to predict 
durability so it makes things really dicey when you want to give somebody like the utmost respect because i don't know like we talked about lamar jackson a couple years ago i was very wrong on the lamar jackson thought i i was especially early on in his career i didn't think he was ever going to develop into a a quality passer it felt like there was a lot of i I was a lot holding him back but it it seems like he's developed a lot better than i would have anticipated uh, it's it's just about staying healthy. That's really all all you can say. And when a guy can't stay healthy, it's so hard to just. It's hard to give them the respect they deserve. I guess like a guy that, uh, I, I don't know. It just it makes me sad because like I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see Lamar Jackson fully healthy in a playoff game, like with a twelve or thirteen win Ravens team. I don't know if they've got that. I, they definitely probably don't have that. Um, but it would be really nice to see like Lamar Jackson actually get some TV time in the playoffs and actually be able to go off. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I hold some, I, I'm held back a little bit by the injury concerns because if it happens once and it happens twice, you know, it, it, it's football. It's literally, it just is what it is. Like guys get hurt all the time. He takes a bunch of hits and he does initiate more heavy contact being a runner. That is just how that works as a quarterback. You're going to get hit a little more when you're more um, willing to be aggressive and, and he is, is certainly an aggressive runner. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you would definitely think maybe throwing the ball a little bit more, running a little bit less would be helpful. But I it, I don't even think it really matters at this point because they've tried to do that last couple of years. Um, they did definitely cut down on the running last year, and it he still ended up getting hurt. I don't know. It's really just like uh, if he stays healthy, there's no question he's a top six quarterback. Uh, if he gets hurt, the Ravens will once again falter. It'll be a disappointing season, and people will talk once again. Should we have extended? Should, should we have given him this money? Uh, we'll really see. The best thing for him would be a healthy year. That's all we can say. This year, the first year uh, after getting the contract, you got to think like he's him staying healthy would be so beneficial this year. Yeah, I mean, look no further than that Dolphins game last year, which I thought was just probably the best passing start of his entire career. That was when the entire Ravens wide receiving core was actually healthy. They got injured in that game, and then his passing numbers took a hit because of that. But, I mean, 318 yards, 72% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, he has done that before, like, three or four times every season. If it becomes a pass-first offense, I think he can do it more consistently, but it is just a matter of, like, how is he going to be on the field? Because I, I feel like that that is such a big concern. And is the Ravens, you know, wide receiving core going to stay healthy? Because, like, they did upgrade, but their upgrades were like Odell Beckham Jr., who, who is now an injury-prone wide receiver at this point in his career, and Rashad Bateman, who's coming off a pretty serious injury. Like, you're, you're banking a lot on Zay Flowers, and he's a smaller receiver too, like – there's uh, the Ravens are so interesting to me because I think it could go super well and they could be up there with the Chiefs contending for a one seed, or I think it could go really middle of the road and slightly poorly and they could be fighting with the Steelers for the last wild card spot deep into December. So I, I'm I'm just interested to see how that plays out. All right, we're going to take a break from this regularly scheduled programming of the End Zone Podcast. 
to to hop on first take actually um and 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 uh you know i i don't know if donnie's actually read yb's list but when i saw this in tier two i obviously couldn't stop so of course you know yb donnie definitely both more talented than skip bayless and Stephen a uh but yb has dak prescott in tier two uh yb i'm gonna let you go first i'm just gonna step away from this i'm honestly gonna put myself on mute because Donnie knows. I feel extremely conflicted about Dak Prescott going into this season. YB, you're going to make the case for Dak Prescott. Donnie, I'll give you a moment to make a case against. Then I would like you guys to cross-examine a little bit and make some arguments because I think this could be one of the more fascinating debates of this podcast. But I was just a little shocked when I saw it. So YB, the floor is yours. Why is Dak Prescott a Tier 2 quarterback? Because he's shown he's got the talent to really lead us, like at least lead us to the teams of the playoffs. Whether they do anything there is another issue entirely. But when you think about it, Dak's like Dak's numbers are people underrate Dak's numbers, like mainly because he had a horrific injury like a couple years ago. And but like he's had a, he's had a season where he passed close to five thousand yards. Like and like the, everyone brings up the interceptions last year. Like a lot of his interceptions were very fluky to say the least and i i wasn't as high on deck as uh as as uh in the beginning when i was like looking at uh, thinking about quarterbacks and kind of where i wanted to put it but this also goes into how i organize my tier list because tier the tier list up to tier two at least like they can be the way they can be the reason you win the game and i think people will kind of laugh at this because they've seen what Dak prescott what happens to Dak prescott in the playoffs but Dak's been able to lead his team to wins for the most part. And I think playoffs in a best of one scenario, like facing the an enti- a quarterback's entire reputation on whether he can like eliminate, whether he can survive four, three or four games in the playoffs. I think that's somewhat of a flawed way to look at things. And like when Pete and Dak Prescott has made the careers of a lot of mediocre players, like Dalton Schultz, like shouldn't he shouldn't get gotten the deal he got, but Dak Prescott loved giving it to me. Like that's that's one example. And when you think about it, there's never been a there's been a, never been a rallying cry to replace Dak in terms of like whether to, for the Cowboys. And I think people still think the Cowboys can win a Super Bowl with Dak, although maybe they're a fringe contender more than an actual legit contender. Thinking about the Cowboys, that's how the Cowboys do things. But I think people are like putting him in the same tier as I don't know, like. Justin Fields or Jared Goff. I think that's going way too far because Dak's done a lot. Dak's done quite a bit to earn some respect in the league. And I think the postseason like embarrassments that happened like, in the past two years kind of color that. But I I I view Dak as someone that you can win a Super Bowl with. You have to have a few more things go right for for him than I think others, but I I rate Dak highly in that regard. I personally am very out on Dak Prescott as a Giants fan. I, I watch the division, so I see Dak Prescott lose to, like, more talented teams often. Like, it, the Cowboys are, are usually – you can kind of value them against the bad teams. They're going to really you, – you know what you're getting. They're probably going to dominate, and then against a good team. I don't know. It's just been – it's been a long time coming, and Eric will, will attest. I've been telling Eric for years now that just when you put Dak Prescott up against either uh, high-end defenses or just quality teams where he has to keep up scoring – it can become a disaster. It feels like uh, I, 
I'm not going to call him a stat patter because he's not a stat patter. He's a talented quarterback, but it just feels like whenever you watch Dak Prescott against like, in a game that he has to win, like they usually don't go so well. Like there's something about it, it may just be a team thing or they're psyched out. I'm not necessarily going to blame Dak 100%, but as the quarterback, and as we were talking, uh, Eric said it, it's a win stat, goes to the quarterback, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you feel. Um, I don't know. I have a really hard time rating Dak at this point, knowing he's going to fall apart against uh, stronger defenses or better teams. I, I just feel like whenever you put him up against a better quarterback, in a lot of senses too, uh, it's going to be really hard for him to keep up with, uh, as you know, we have seen time and time again, them and the Eagles, they play good games. So I'm not going to necessarily say that him and Jalen Hurts are going to have great battles next couple of years, but I'd be really surprised if he comes out on top of the Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott, Eagles versus Cowboys battle. Um, not necessarily his fault because the Eagles are very talented, uh, but you you need your quarterback to be able to pull you through against teams like the Eagles. They beat the Giants twice every year. We know that's coming. Giants have lost 11 of 12, I believe, the last 12 games uh, they've played. It's been a really great time, and they'll beat up on the Commanders. But when it comes to the Eagles and it comes to talented teams, it just doesn't feel like it goes very well for Dak. I mean, I, I understand the argument. I think, I think like, you know how, like, when you see people in your division a lot, like, it kind of alt, kind of alters your perception of them in certain ways. Like, there's I think definitely bias here. There's yeah, definitely I, bias here. I'm not, like, I'm not gonna lie there for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think, like, the, even though the Cowboys are a very nationally televised team for better or for worse, like, I don't think I've seen a lot of Dak Prescott mainly because of where I live, and I think time differences are really really bitch to watch NFL in Korea I believe that <laughs> but I think like I I think the kind of like the prevailing opinion on Dak is that he can't win in the big games and I think you mentioned you've expounded on that quite a bit like but even so I think a put a quarterback that like people will tell you is at least a majority of the reason that gets you to those situations I think can't like he can't be classified as a too low of a quarterback. I'm not. I'm not putting Dak Prescott like above like Hertz or Hertz or Herbert or Lamar or whatever. Like I'm putting him like pretty much near where Kirk Cousins is. <laughs> like people have, people have made that joke about you know Dak like Dak being a black Kirk Cousins or Cousins being a white Dak Prescott. Whatever. I think those are pretty similar. And like think in, and there's a fine line between tier two and tier three. I mean like if you, you can. I mean, if you put Dak Prescott in tier three like that, I don't, I don't have too much of an issue with that. But I think I rate Dak a little bit higher than the majority consensus, and that's my deviation on that part. So. I think that's fair. I mean, I don't really have, and and Eric will tell you again. I've been telling Eric, Eric, four or five years now. I've been telling you Dak Prescott is not going to win the big games, yeah. and you, yeah. and, and and it happens. It, it's it's something yeah. that Eric will attest. It's Donnie's something that been... that is. I would Mostly say funny one, fashion one of, too. I, I, yeah, I would say like Donnie, Donnie's right about a lot of stuff. He's, he's a pretty, I'm smart. wrong a lot of the time, but Dak Prescott is something that I can, I, you can he, just tell when there's going to be a bad Cowboys pretty, game and they're going to lose. He's a pretty decent, decent sports analyst. And, but I would say the take I've been most impressed on is, is Dak Prescott. Like he pretty much always calls it because he is right. He, 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 he the way you put it is perfect. When he plays the bad teams, he lights them up. And when he plays the good teams, it's a struggle. Like that's that's just kind of the way it goes with with Dak. He's he's not I see, I view him much more the way Donnie does. I have him in the middle. I would say I classify him as kind of a tier three guy. But yeah, 
I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, I see your point, YB. Like, I, I, I think there are things about Dak that I love. Like, I, I really do believe when people say like he is the smartest quarterback in the NFL. I do believe that. Like, I believe that he is this generation's Peyton Manning, and that he has that kind of control and command of being able to read and understand defenses. But he. He is also this generation's Tony Romo in that he chokes in the biggest moments and can't win in the playoffs. And like that has to that has to count for something. It is so funny how I've said it on this podcast so many times at this point. I'm a broken record. It is so funny how the Cowboys just went from Tony Romo to Tony Romo. Like that's that's literally all they did. They they just they went from Tony Romo to Tony Romo. And, uh, they went politically correct, but that's that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, and that's a joke. All right. Tier two quarterbacks also involved. I know we can't spend as long as we spent on these top guys, but th- th- those top guys were pretty interesting. Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence. I'll just say this on uh, I have a take on Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Like, I put him closer to tier three than I would tier two at this point. Like, I'm kind of out on Aaron Rodgers being, like, elite MVP-level quarterback. Like, I I don't know if I'm crazy, but I just – I don't respect Aaron Rodgers as much as I used to. Like, I, I don't think the Jets are anything more than maybe a wildcard team. Like, I, he's a good quarterback, and the Jets are going to be good because if they had a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, they – would have been a contender last year, but they're going to have a middle of a pack quarterback this year, because I think that's what Rogers is going to be. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if we're arguing, is he even top 10? I view him in that like 10 to like 12 range right now. I, 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 I don't know. There, there's some, you know, but I also, my hot tier two take is that I like Geno Smith as a tier two quarterback, but like, that's, I mean, that's, that's a little bit I, I understand that's a little bit crazy but did either of you have massive Aaron Rodgers thoughts I do feel like he is he's he's the last of the old guard he really is so we do have to give him his respect and talk about him a little bit but I I don't think this year is going to be special from him that's that's not what that's not what I I, I, I'm, I forecast I think it depends it's a really interesting there's one storyline that I don't think I've seen people talk about much and it's we're going to really see if the Packers offensive line the last couple of years which is very very highly touted and very very well respected uh it, is is it was it Aaron Rodgers making the offensive line better than what we thought they were or was it the offensive line kind of keeping Aaron giving Aaron some more time to function obviously like you can look back at the the numbers the Packers offensive line has been very good the Jets offensive line is not not going to be great it's going to be a step down for sure so i think the one big storyline there is just seeing like can aaron Rodgers function with what will clearly be first off a a younger offensive line because they're going to have a lot of guys that don't have many games played uh out there so obviously that's always a question mark when it comes to nfl offensive line you know you you kind of sort of uh, you would expect guys to take steps forward but you really never know if guys are going to stay healthy like makai becton um you know always a question mark there but yeah it just 40 year old quarterback mediocre offensive line never really like that there's always there's always scary there's something surprisingly scary to me about that and i mean i i had rogers at eight which feels about right given the fact that we're, we're talking about a guy that the last two years before last year was like 
incredibly talented for a late late thirties quarterback, but I don't. I'm really worried about the offensive line for whatever reason. It just feels like the pairing of a, a, a very aging quarterback who's still semi mobile. I would say Aaron Rodgers at forty gets gets out of the pocket really well. Um, but yeah, I'm uh I'm very nervous to see what happens behind the Jets' offensive line. I don't think Rodgers' talent has like deserted him. Like out like last year, I think was an amalgamation of a lot of issues that came up. Like primarily, I'll, I think like one of the big issues was obviously that David Bakhtiari is like apparently I think his knee is now sawdust. So like, I mean that obviously doesn't help. And you like he lost his all world wide receiver like i mean i don't care how good of a quarterback you are like you lose that a guy that had that much gravity like in that much talent like regardless of how how talented the young guys you bring in like there's gonna be some issues and i think last season's performance reflected that but even so last year like there were still moments where you you can see the rogers of old maybe a little bit slower maybe a little less arm strength but still it wasn't like it wasn't like what it looked like with Brady when it looked like he had a dead arm, for like dead arm in the last half, in the last half of that season. So, and like you know, I, I, just like how I mentioned with Lamar about his like his mental like uh, focus because of his like situation regarding the contract with Lamar. Like with Rodgers, obviously he had a lot of issues with the front office in Green Bay. Like you know, it's it says something when Rodgers is willing to basically take a pay cut to <laughs> to uh, get more talent to New York, which he never did in Green Bay. So, like, you can make, like, I don't think the talent has deserted. Like, it, like could we see, like, that precipitous cliff that people fall off? Absolutely. Like, that's always a possibility. And I think I've I think uh, when we were doing the AFC East preview, like I did say that the Jets were they did improve, but they might be the ones that improved, but still on the outside looking in because the competition is ridiculous in the AFC East. But I don't think Rodgers will be the reason they don't get there. Like I think it'll be something else that happens that like kind of curses the Jets, like because the Jets have been another one of those cursed teams. Like, and I know from experience, I root for a cursed team. So, like I like and. Just last even like last year obviously wasn't great, but when you have two MVPs the year before that, like at the age of 37, 38, or whatever the hell he is, like I don't care how much Ayahuasca he he does in the offseason, like I don't care if he goes into a dark room and like starves himself for two months. So if as long as he's alive and out there, he's a he's a hell of a talented quarterback. And I think the Jets will get to see like I'm not sure what who the last like really great competent great quarterback was in New York. I can't remember. Like the the last like functional one I remember is Chad Pennington, but Pennington wasn't like he wasn't Rogers even in Rogers' current state. Like Jets are a star for that, and I think Rogers because he he cares deeply about what others think of him. I think I think he'll feed off of that because the Jets are rapid fans. It is interesting. Yeah. Just a note. I just want to mention something. I was looking at the numbers, um, like the Jets franchise record for most quarterback touchdown pass in a season. And it's Ryan Fitzpatrick with 31, if I'm not mistaken, which is just crazy. 31 from Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is the, the greatest quarterback season. I mean, obviously, like they had some legends back in that the day. Was, but... That was an, that was an absolutely crazy Jets season. I do remember that season yeah, pretty Shannon, clearly. Dude. That was that was the Eric Decker Jets here. Um, where they just missed the playoffs because they lost to the Bills in like week 16. Um, 
Yeah, that's crazy to think about, though. But that's that that's the yeah. top record. Thirty-one touchdown passes. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has the Jets. He is the Jets' top. How insane! I wonder is what that? the yardage record is. It's probably Fitzpatrick from the same year. But I, I would assume so. I would bet Aaron Rodgers could beat the yardage record for sure. I don't know about touchdowns, but we'll see. Extra game too, so maybe that helps a little bit. All right, one last uh, guy Na- talking. Namath had 4,007. There you go. Namath had 4,007. He's got the record. Okay. One last guy to talk about in the top 10 area. And then I know we've gone an hour. This does, it is a show that goes longer, but we're going to do the second part of this show by just, we're going to go around the horn twice. Each of us is going to pick a random quarterback. We'll talk about that quarterback and uh, and uh, and and how we view them going into the season. Trevor Lawrence, what do we think? Like, what? I am of the opinion that Trevor Lawrence is a very good NFL quarterback, but I'm still not there yet. Like, I want to see it all come together. He has his Stephon Diggs now. He has Calvin Ridley. Like, if you are special, then show it. The Jags are one of the teams that I have no idea how to feel about them. I don't even know if I'd predict them as a playoff team. I think their defense is super, super bad. If you're going to be a playoff team, go put up MVP numbers, win a bunch of shootouts, and prove that you're a tier one quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Until then, I'm still fine just saying, like, I need to see more. Like, I thought last year was a step up and an improvement, but he wasn't a guy where I was like, oh, yeah, there's a Super Bowl contender right there. Like, I, I need to see more from him still. I mean, with Lawrence, like, I kind of view it similar to how uh, Jalen Hurts looked in, not last year, but the year before when, like, it was bad. It was pretty bad in the first half of the season. And then he, like, the offense changed around him. He got more accustomed to it. And then he got better as the season went along. So you had a lot of promise going into last year. And then Hurts obviously delivered on that. And I think Lawrence, now that he has uh, another year under Doug Peterson, who's a very talented play caller, and now he has a, another weapon in Calvin Ridley. It's like the line concerns me a bit because like the line is not great. And obviously when you have your starting left tackle, like spend it for first, first couple of games, you have to throw a rookie in there. Like it's a roll of the dice. Like he could be very good. He could be, he could be trash. So, but on the whole, I think Lawrence, like his arrow is pointing up because in the second half of the season, especially after the, I think the game in London when they play the Broncos, he was a different quarterback. And like I like, I think we all knew that the talent was in there somewhere. Like you don't get you don't get hyped that much and be the number one pick for no reason. But one year under Urban Meyer does a lot to uh, kind of stop out a lot of those traits. But I think he managed to survive that era. His arrows pointing up. Like I'm not gonna put him like up there with like with the top tier ones, but I think he has a chance to try to break in there because you can see the physical tools and you can see kind of the the special talent that he has in flashes, but he hasn't been able to put it all together. And part of that's him, part of that's the supporting cast. But if he can improve and the team improves along with him, like we could be, t- we could be talking about it in like the same area as say Justin Herbert, or like that's a possibility. But as of right now, not there yet. Yeah, that's that I agree with.
Eric, I just want to talk about one thing. Last year, you didn't really like the Christian Kirk signing. And now at this point, now that we're a year in and Christian Kirk is no longer the top dog, are we happy having Christian Kirk there for even if it is a lot of money after the year that he had last year? Because uh, I personally, I fought you on that a little bit. And he had a good year, but he's he's getting paid a ton of like we know he's getting paid a ridiculous amount of money. Like, are we a little bit less mad about having Christian Kirk there now that Ridley's there? Yeah. My argument was never that Christian Kirk is bad. I just want that to be clear. I just think there is no universe where he is worth that amount of money. I would still say he is not worth that amount of money, but yes, it's good that Trevor Lawrence has a good wide receiver there. But People talk a lot about that offense like it's only Calvin Ridley. Like, Evan, Trevor Lawrence turned Evan Ingram into, like, what Evan Ingram was at the peak of his Giants career, which was a pretty decent tight end. Like, they they do have some weapons. And, I mean, if Travis Etienne, he's always been a passing down back, and we'll see what Tank Bigsby can do. Like, I'm interested to see the offense. I do think the offense is going to be fun to watch and, and interesting, but... I, I just don't know how competitive they're going to be with the defense they have because the corners, as they have been for the last seven years, it seems, are average and slow, which is you never want slow corners. Oh, did you guys know Trey Herndon is still on? Trey Herndon is still a starting cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trey Herndon has consistently been the worst cornerback in the NFL, in my opinion, for like the past seven years, and yet he's still starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I don't know how that's possible, but it but it is. It's because they spent all the money on the offense here. Come on. They spent yeah. all the money on Christian Kirk, so now they can't afford the they can't have DBs. DBs don't exist when you have wide receivers. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Donnie, I'm gonna let you pick first. Uh, we'll go through this twice. Maybe we'll have a speed round at the end. But I'm okay with this going two hours if you guys don't mind staying up late. But I know that we have time limits for to, that we need to respect. But I, I've had fun so far. This is always one of my favorite shows of the year because I just like talking about quarterbacks. But Donnie, go ahead. Yeah, I guess I just want to – I was going to go off the board and talk about Daniel Jones a little bit, but I don't think anybody really wants to deal with that because he's just, he's not, he's not, it's not that fun. So I'll talk about Tua. I think that this could, uh, assuming there's health involved there, uh, I think that there's no real way you can argue him outside of like maybe 12 or 13 as the very worst. Uh, And I I would assume that a lot of people would have him probably around 10 at, at this point. I think, I don't think there's any real question that with the weapons that he has, it's going to be – there's there's no real way it could go poorly. Uh, the only thing, obviously, the injury concerns is what's going to hold you back. There's not really any question there. But I think that there's a legitimate argument to be made that it, – like, it's really hard to drop Tua outside of the top 10 given the comparable players in that range. Like, we're talking about the Goffs and the Kirk Cousinses of the world and the Dak Prescotts of the world. I, I mean, like, there's nothing that – I would find it. I'd be very hard pressed to believe that Tua is going to underperform. Um, it, assuming he stays healthy with those weapons after he played so well last year, uh, I'm I'm really high on Tua this year. I'm not really necessarily high on that team because I don't know. I don't know how much success they're going to have in just a, a very loaded loaded division. It's going to be a very very tight division, um, very competitive. But yeah, I, I'm. I'm feeling good about Tua this year, assuming that we can keep him healthy and everything out in Miami. Like, I think we should be talking about Tua as a maybe just behind a Trevor Lawrence. Uh, after this year, this upcoming year, I would assume that we're putting him right there and maybe like 
in there with the Trevor Lawrence's or the Justin Herbert's in your eyes or a Lamar Jackson, somewhere like that. I don't think there's any real question that he has the potential to be in there after what he showed last year. I don't know with Tua. I, I have a hard time evaluating him, not even because of the injuries stuff, but because I do think he's just – he benefits from a scheme a ton. And sometimes he's still – he is a deadly, a deadly, deadly mid-range player. Like, he, he, he hits the mid-range stuff. He hits the open stuff underneath. He's very good at that. But, like, the arm talent, I just – sometimes I don't see it, to be honest with you. And maybe it's just because he's throwing to super fast wide receivers, but it seems like those guys are always slowing down. He's never throwing ahead of them. Like, I don't I don't know about his arm talent as a whole. And, like, I just – dude, Teron Armstead's already injured. Like, that offensive line was so bad when he didn't play last year. The scheme asks the 49ers scheme asks dudes to stay in to hang in there forever and take the hits and make the play action throws. I don't think Tua can take the hits. The concussion stuff is scary. This is not like he's suffered shoulder injuries. Shoulder injuries you can bounce back from, like concussions, the research has shown. They get worse every single time. And I don't care if he's taking jujitsu and he's learning to fall different and whatever. He's a small frame guy and eventually he's going to hit his head again. And then what? Like to me, he's a massive risk at quarterback. I feel nervous every time I watch him and I'm just, I'm really scared for him. Like I, I don't, I hope he stays healthy like I think he should seriously consider retirement if we get through this season and he's got a concussion again and I think the Dolphins should be extra fucking careful with him because they weren't last year and they rushed him back too soon and they compounded it and like I get that NFL teams don't have ethics and morals but like guys come on now like I I I can't like I I can't watch the Dolphins or root for the Dolphins or hope they do well if you're going to rush your quarterback back who has serious concussion issues. Like they should be super careful with him. And I just, I don't see a, I don't see a world where he doesn't miss games this year. And I, I just, I, I think putting him at 13 to 15 is fine, but I, I just don't feel comfortable saying I think he could take a leap or be like Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. I'm just too wigged out by where he's at health-wise because I I think the numbers last year were so good for him too. I think he's bound for regression. Like I I I I'm not I'm not really in on the Dolphins anymore. I think they had they're super injured right now, and I I think two is a big question mark. I I I just I'm not I'm not really into them. I mean, with Tua, obviously the health issue is always going to be the thing that comes up. But I think in terms of talent and how he fits, like I don't, I don't really particularly care if a guy is a scheme beneficiary of a scheme. Like what matters is that you're in that scheme and you get results out of it. And there are plenty of people who are talented but never learn to utilize a scheme effectively. And I think Tua shown that he could utilize a scheme very effectively if he wasn't getting his bell rung. But in the but 
I think what's been said, I think I, I heard this on with when on the athletic podcast is that when Tua came back after his uh, issue and then, but there were several games in the second half, in the second half of the year when he was playing bad and it wasn't because of the concussion. Like when he was playing against the Chargers, obviously that, that Chargers game, like he couldn't do anything. Like Ben Staley for him, many of his faults, he, he cooked up a very good scheme to stop the high-flying Dolphins. And also in, also in the Bills game, he wasn't that great either. And then the game after that, he got hurt. So with Tua, I still rate Tua highly because I think the talent's there. But because like he'll he'll be he'll be so permanently associated with two things: injuries and that's and that Mike McDaniel scheme. Like if they can cook up something to kind of counter the counter punch that they, they got in the second half of the season, I think Tua will have a fine fine year. But like that's a big if. And like Tyree kills a physical specimen and a and a medical marvel, but if he like it, like he, when he was hobbled by like a niggling injury, like it, like the offense also kind of dragged kind of got dragged down into the depths. So I still rate Tua highly. I think I had him tenth on my on my QB list ahead of guys like Cousins, but it's a there's a very it's a very conditional ten. Yeah, I'm just skewed out by the injury stuff. And I, I, I do think he's going to regress. I, I just, those are, that's something that, that I just, I feel pretty strongly about. I'll pick a guy here uh, that both of you had really low, but I had higher. Uh, Kenny Pickett. I'm just going to go on my Kenny Pickett diatribe here. I have him at 15. I have him ahead of Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, and Derek Carr. I think you can watch for preseason, and you can say preseason doesn't matter. But the facts are the facts. Kenny Pickett looked like he made a jump, and it looks like he has developed as a passer. And I think you could see that throughout the year. I thought December was his best month in the NFL. You look specifically at that Raiders game around Christmas last year. He was phenomenal. Am I saying he's a game-breaking, big-arm quarterback that's going to change the world? No, but I think what Kenny Pickett does extremely well is move the ball. I think he is extremely accurate. I think he is one of the most... He has the potential to be one of the most accurate passers in the NFL last year because that's what he was down the stretch last year. He has some ability with his legs, but he's not a run-first quarterback. His pocket mobility and presence is good. The Steelers have really good talent around him. The offensive line is improved. I do think there's a chance, and I want to ask this question, is it crazy to think that if things go well, and I'm not saying this even as a ceiling, because I think the ceiling could be higher if, if things go super well. But I think it's reasonable to assume that the time we're doing this show next year, we're arguing him as a guy that should be breaking into that 10 range. And he's kind of where Tua and Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott are right now. I I think there's a real chance that happens. I'm I was very skeptical of him coming in, but I do think you can improve in the NFL. And I do think that 
you can improve arm strength. Improving accuracy is hard. Improving arm strength is easy. You just got to hit the gym a little bit. Like, I think Kenny Pickett could be a very good quarterback this year, but people might be saying in December, like, I think it's a pretty realistic chance, actually, that people are like, hey, is Kenny Pickett a sneaky top 10 quarterback? Because I, I think there's an, a, a chance he can get there. Donnie's shaking his head vigorously. He's already, he's, he's just, he just really disagrees with that take. You have him at 27. I think that's incredibly disrespectful. After last he, year, he first was, off, I'm going to mention. He was very, very good last year. Very, very much year. revisionist, very much revisionist history at the end of the year. He was not very good. He had one drive where they beat the Raiders and everything was like, oh, great job, Kenny Pickett. We love you. But he, I don't think he was that great, really. Like, I don't think that he performed. It's very revisionist history, in my opinion, to, to say that Kenny Pickett was great down the stretch because he was not great down the stretch. There is no... No great down the stretch from Kenny Pickett, at least in my I didn't think that he was overly impressive uh, at any point last year. Like, he had some flashes. Uh, he made some mistakes. Uh, I think that uh, if we're talking coming into this year, too, I don't think there's any way you can have him at 15. You have him above Justin Fields coming into the year, which seems just ridiculous given the fact that Justin Fields produced last year. We watched him do... Uh, I, Maybe the most impressive rushing season we've ever seen at a quarterback. Probably not, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna give him some respect because of the team that he was playing with and the offensive line that he was running behind. That guy looked like he was just he was cooked from the get go and he was making things happen. Kenny Pickett did not do what what Justin Fields did. He doesn't even deserve that type of respect. I wouldn't even put him above like like he's not even anywhere near a Daniel Jones for me. I would definitely rather have Daniel Jones coming to the year. Maybe we're talking next year that Kenny Pickett is a a, a top twenty quarterback. But putting him, putting him in the top 10, are, are you putting Kenny Pickett next year behind Trevor Lawrence, like right behind Trevor Lawrence, or right with Jared Goff, Geno Smith, who I know you're high on? Like, I think it, that's crazy to say. Because, again, I, I'm really going to call you for the, the revisionist history. It's definitely – it was not as as great of an end of the season as you thought it was with Kenny Pickett. I, I went to high school in Pittsburgh. I've got a bunch of Steelers friends as fans. I, I, will, I promise you, you're higher on Kenny Pickett than they are as fans of – of the team uh, in the city where he played college football. Like I, I think, I, and it's fair to be high on Kenny Pickett. I, we, we did a, you asked us a question on, on the podcast this week, actually, Eric. And I, I answered Kenny Pickett as a value quarterback who I think could be great in fantasy next year because of his mobility and the potential to get better as a passer. But to put him as a sneaky top 10 quarterback is crazy, Eric. It is wild to me. Like when you I look at Kenny Pickett's stats, when you look at Kenny Pickett's stats last year, like in his like last, well, I don't know, eight games, he had two games where he had over 200 yards passing. Like, I'm like, telling you, it's revisionist history. I'm saying it's. I, I, I was pretty shocked when I saw this too because I thought I like well, while maybe not quite as high as Eric's recollection, I did think Pickett showed some showed some things down the stretch. Like I thought the end, but the stats like are pretty grim when you look at him. But like. I'm not as low on Pickett as I think Donnie is. Like, I'm not as high on Pickett as I think Eric is. Like, because I did see some things, like, that you can kind of tell that he can at least hang in the NFL at the very least. And I I think when I was talking, when we were talking in the AFC North podcast, like, I did say I think his ceiling is basically Kirk Cousins. That's what I, that's what I put his ceiling at. And, like, I don't. I think Pickett because he's a because he plays for the Steelers and the Steelers always have this magical voodoo where anybody who puts on a Steelers uniform magically performs a little better for some odd reason. God knows why. Like, I hate this division anyway. But uh, but still, like to have him like I mean, 
going back to the fields or going back to the thing where he had him above fields, like fields put up over 1,100 yards rushing last year. Like, that, like, like it's unconventional, but he got the job done. And I think with way worse weapons than I think what Kenny Pickett had. Deontay Johnson is a maybe not a maybe not a wide receiver one, but a very good wide receiver two at the very least. George Pickens could be a wide receiver one. I don't think he'll get there, but at least it's a room full of at least wide receiver twos and a pretty good tight end in Pat Fryer. Whereas with the Bears, they had Jack. Darnell Mooney was hurt, and some for some odd reason they traded for Chase Claypool, which I still don't know why the hell they did that. But hey, I mean the Bears have done a lot of good things. I, I think we can forgive them for one very stupid mistake. But but on the whole, like with Pickett, I mean I had think I think I had him around twenty. I think I think I had him around where Brock Purdy is. Like speaking of interesting interesting guys to watch this season and. Like, I think he, like, because last year was obviously his rookie season. And I think, like, when you're thrust in, like, four games in, like, even if you are a first-rounder, things are going to make your head spin. But his rookie season was worse than Mac Jones last year. And if you have him above Mac Jones, I think I think you're kidding. I think you're kidding yourself. Like, like regardless of how, how bad Mac was last year in that god-awful system and under a god-awful offensive coach who shouldn't have been an offensive coach, to have him above Mac Jones is... I, I can't I can't agree with that. Not at all. And I'm not totally. saying this because Mac is a really good quarterback. Like I think he's a very fine quarterback. I but, think they are equivalent quarterbacks. Yeah, more more or less. I think I think I had Mac a little bit higher than Pickett. I would put them that's why they are on my list. I do believe they're like right by each other. Let's see. I'm just a little lower on Mac Jones because no, 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 no. You get Pickett 15. Talent. Mac is 19. Come on. Yeah, you, you had you had Kenny Pickett over Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones. Pickett which is over wrong, Kirk right? Cousins is a take. Like I don't care how I don't care how disillusioned you are with Kirk. Yeah, Cousins. I hate I hate Kirk Cousins, Eric. I hate Kirk Cousins. Trust me, I've been I've been on the anti Kirk Cousins bandwagon for my entire life. And, and it's just it's it's a little foolish, and obviously, like Mac Jones has proved himself, he's he's a quality enough quarterback. With Mac Jones has not proved himself. Please, a couple, but before last year, Mac Jones looked like a pretty legitimate quarterback, a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think you can say that Mac Jones necessarily like he's going to bust and he's going to be out of the league in two years. I think he'll be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots for a while. I don't think there's any question there. Yeah, and again, they don't have a backup quarterback anymore. Yeah, I'm also also true that there is nobody else to play quarterback on the team, but uh, like even Daniel Jones. Eric, we saw what Daniel Jones did last year. He has the mobility that Kenny Pickett has. Like where I'm not, Kenny Pickett's probably a little bit better of a uh, do it out of nowhere, figure out like what I'm where I'm running and, and make a play type of quarterback. But I, I don't know. Like it just seems like you might be a little too high on Kenny Pickett this early. Give it a year. Sneaky top ten again, Eric. You're just you're blowing my mind with that one. That was that was that was quite a word or quite a phrase to mention next to Kenny Pickett. I would say. Why be where we go next? Uh, in terms of like guys that are, in terms of guys that are kind of like a, like, well, what will be like? We still don't know what Justin Fields is. Like, is he a running back playing quarterback? Can he play? Can he actually play quarterback at a professional level? Like, because Fields has the arm. I think he has. He has the arm. Like, if you see him make the throws, he does have a very good arm. And, but I think like him like reading the play, especially after the snap, like when his first read isn't there or whatever, and he just has to go into a backyard football mode, which is a lot of fun to watch, but it's not exactly the most sustainable form of offense you want to build around. And I think, like, obviously, when he was thrust in there as a rookie, it was 
the team was a garbage fire. And then last year, the team was a garbage fire. So it's kind of hard to evaluate Justin Fields like in like independently. When, But this year, at least, they have a legit wide receiver one, maybe, maybe like a mid-end wide receiver one in DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney is hopefully healthy, although there are rumors that they may trade him. I don't God knows why. And the offensive line has gotten some revamps. Like, although I think some are going in not quite as according to plan. So Cole Komet, like, I think he, he's potential unrealized. And I think he might eventually be just potential unrealized <laughs> because he's a big ass dude who big ass dude who can supposedly grab things. But like when you when when a big guy like that disappears for an entire game, you kind of wonder exactly what the hell is going on. So I think Fields. This will be the year where we kind of know whether Fields is a court, an NFL quarterback or not, because the last two years I think have been a disaster around him, and wait, and I don't think too many quarterbacks that are not like completely special talents would have succeeded in the situation that he was in, and I think the Bears knew that. So that's why, like, when they made that trade within the draft, they specifically asked for DJ Moore from Carolina, like because without the weapons around him, like it's hard to evaluate a quarterback. And so with the Bears, like they need an answer regarding the quarterback as to whether Fields is your guy. If he's not, then you'll probably have a good draft pick and you'll get, I don't know, like you probably won't get well, you probably won't be bad enough to get Caleb or Drake May, but you can get someone you can get someone in the like whoever the QB three is in the draft. Like it and with Fields, it's it's kind of like it's all a hypothetical at this point. And now that you have the now that you have the ingredients set around, we can kind of see whether Fields is an actual legitimate NFL quarterback who can make the throws and at the right times. And I'm and also it'll probably dovetail with whether the Bears can kind of crawl out of their misery and kind of actually make some noise in an NFC North that is now well not more wide open than I think it was in the past few years. So my question is we say the talent around him has improved, but has it? Like, DJ Moore is is a criminally underrated wide receiver. We get that. Like, he hasn't played with great guys in Carolina. But to me, he's still just, like, he's a wide receiver, too. Like, he, he, he he's he's not... Have you seen th- the Bears' wide receiving core? He's think they not... had a wide receiver four on that team? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair, but, like, what happens okay, when Donald people Mooney's a wide start, receiver three? Okay. Like, what happens when people just start double teaming DJ Moore and he has to throw to Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney again? I'm like, like, I'm not sure Chase Claypool will be the one on the field. To be perfectly honest with you, but. yeah, like, I don't think I, that's I the still, worst thing I, in the world. I still don't think their wide receiving core is good. Well, it's not. It's not great, great, obviously. Yeah, but it's not better. Great, but I, if they're doubling DJ Moore, then I would I would bet that Claypool or Mooney or Komet can figure out the other way. You like you have so. to believe in your your secondary options. If you don't, because like we see wide receiver ones get cranked all the time. They have bad games because they got two guys on them. They can't do anything. But somebody's gonna have to step up. And again, like I mean, if they can't do it, somebody else will be put in there to do it. And it's not on Justin Fields to necessarily figure that out. If the guys aren't catching passes or getting open, and he's gonna get sacked sixty times again, which is a definite possibility. I don't think there's any question there. Like, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have like Claypool, Mooney, and Komet as your second, third, and fourth option. That's not great, but it, it it's definitely better than where they've been. 
And uh, again, yeah. like I, I, I took my, on my notes on my QB list. I said that the team's going to hold him back from having that J- Jalen Hurts esque rise to the top. But like you have to assume that he's going to improve. You're given DJ Moore. Like we're not, we're you you can't gloss over the fact that DJ Moore is a, a thousand times better than what they had. So that's 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 my thought process. I'm not necessarily telling you Justin Fields is going to go out there and go crazy passing the ball because it's not going to happen. Let's just we can call it how we see it here. But it, it's definitely better. Like it's an improvement. It might not be great, but it's it's better than what it was. Yeah, I, my my thing with Justin Fields is this: I just think consensus, everyone's way too high on him, and I think everyone's way too high on what they expect from him. That said, I like Justin Fields. He was a guy I liked coming out of a draft. I do think he has like Dak level passing ability if he gets there, but I just don't know if the talents around him. That's what's holding me back. I just don't believe in the Bears as an organization. I don't believe in the offense. I don't believe in the offensive line. I don't believe in the wide receivers. I don't see how this year is much different than last year, other than he has a slightly better top option. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's a I much improved see... top option, Eric. Come on. Let, yeah. Let's be honest. You're, you you literally said DJ Moore is criminally underrated like five minutes ago. So I give know, him some but respect. like, he's not Stefan Diggs, dude. Or he's not. Yeah, Stephon but we're not Diggs. asking you. We're not asking you to be. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't need, Jamar I don't need it to be Stephon Diggs. I just needed to go out there and catch some passes. Like that's all I'm looking for. I mean, the, 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 the Bears wide receiver one last year was Darnell Mooney, <laughs> and I, I like Darnell Mooney, but Darnell Mooney should not be a wide receiver one on an NFL team. We're taking steps forward, they... Eric. Huh? Come on. I know. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm I... just. I, I. I'm not. I'm not a Fields guy. I like. I mean, I mean, the I can, way you can... guys feel about Fields is the way I feel about Kenny Pickett. That's just the... yeah. Except Kenny Pickett doesn't have eleven hundred yards on the ground in a season to his name yet. So yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I gotta remember that. Or yeah, that's fair. Let me tell you a funny stat. Like, remember when Lamar like got like got MVP that year in what twenty nineteen? The man had three thousand pass, three thousand one hundred passing yards. Like, and he had a boat. He had an ass load of touchdowns. Obviously, I think that helped, but. He was like he wasn't like, like an incredible passer, you know. Like obviously he supplemented by going over twelve hundred yards and with his legs, which obviously helps. But Justin Fields, like last year, had what like just under twelve hundred yards rushing, so he's nearly matched that. Nobody, <laughs> and then if he can crank that up to like he had twenty two hundred yards, I think passing last year. So if you can get that up to like around three thousand. That's a that's a quarterback you can at least build an offense around. Maybe it's not a perfect offense, but if he can maintain, if he can kind of like be as efficient on the ground as he was last year, and maybe, I don't think efficient is the right word because I think a lot of his runs were kind of backyard scrambles that kind of turned into him utilizing that four four speed to get the hell out of there. But if he can manage to balance that creativity with some stability in passing. I think that can be. I think Fields can show at least that he can. He's the quarterback you can build around, like mm. much more so than I think Pickett. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna help Donnie out. I'm gonna go Daniel Jones, because I think Daniel Jones is interesting. I I do think Daniel Jones is interesting. Because I want to see how much Brian Dayball trusts Daniel Jones. Because Brian Dayball is responsible for the development of Josh Allen. What if this year 
after Daniel Jones kind of took a step back, was like, okay, I'll play check down. Like I'll, like I'll, I'll, I'll be a game manager. I'll prove I can't turn the down the ball. Like the strength of Daniel Jones is he does have some Danny dimes in him. We have seen that he has the ability to be a decent downfield passer with pretty good accuracy and the ability to throw deep. They add Jalen Hyatt. Wandale Robinson's coming up the pup. Like, they have some speed. They could take some shots. Like, Donnie, is there a chance that they go and they just say, okay, Danny, like, don't throw those interceptions to those middle linebackers again or we're back to handing this to Saquon 22 times a game. But, like, go ahead. We'll, we'll dial up a few play-action shots for you every game because, honestly, that, that wasn't there a ton last year. And when he... When they did unleash him a little bit, his best performance of the year came against the Vikings in that playoff game when they did let him throw a little bit more and test defenses in the secondary. Like, do you think we see that a little bit more from Daniel Jones this year? And and, and just your your kind of general thoughts. I have him pretty low. I have him ahead of Russell Wilson, who was the last guy I, I truly ranked as because, I mean, I, I couldn't put Russell Wilson any higher than that. But like, I think Daniel Jones, like, it, if if we come out of his ceiling being like, oh yeah, he's, he's a middle of the road. Like he is, he's the medium. Like he's right there at 16. He's, he's the Andy Dalton. He's the Dalton scale. Like Daniel Jones is, is a guy that, you know, if he's got good talent around him, can't succeed. If he's got bad talent around him, he's going to struggle. I think there's a chance that happens. I, I don't think it's crazy to say that. I don't think that there's going to be any like taking the reins off. I don't think that that's who you're looking at. I don't think that's the quarterback that you're you're getting. Uh, you're not going to get a guy that's going to go out there and sling the ball around like a, like a madman. I think that he's a lot better when he's not slinging the ball around like a madman. Uh, we did see last year a, a huge improvement in, in the picks, which was really, really nice to see. Um, you know, when you're leading the league in interception percentage, you're not turning the ball over. You're not fumbling, uh, which obviously uh, the Danny Dimes era, the early Danny Dimes era was marred by – uh, him not being able to hold on to the ball. We saw him fumble like 20 times his rookie year, which was crazy to watch as a as a Giants fan. When your quarterback is dropping the ball at least once a game, you're sitting like, what the fuck is going on? Pardon my French. But I think that you're expecting a game manager at, at pretty much the finest level in terms of like what you want out of a game manager at this point. Like, I, I think that it's kind of crazy um, that you have him as low as you do, maybe under like a Ryan Tannehill type player. Cause I don't, I don't think there's anything really you'd rather have a Ryan mm-hmm. Tannehill do uh, compared to Daniel Jones at this point. I think like passing game, I, I, I would pretty much, I, I would back Daniel Jones uh, against Ryan Tannehill in like a passing competition. I would assume that Daniel Jones is a more efficient pass than Ryan Tannehill is this year. And he's very mobile. Uh, I, I think that you're looking for a quarterback to keep the reins on things. You're trying to keep things relaxed, keep things calm. And Daniel Jones has done a pretty good job in doing that. When you have the ball and you're not turning the ball over and giving the other team great chances, it helps your defense out a whole lot. And the fact that, you know, they were able to keep the ball and not turn the ball over last year was a huge help. Uh, I would say it, it'll, it's a little curious to me. Um, you're paying a lot of money to a game manager. It is something that I would be maybe frustrated with if I was in the front office or if I was the one cutting the checks, uh, seeing my quarterback game manage rather than being a, a gunslinger out there or anything. But you have to realize, like, if you're trying to make the playoffs, the, the safest place is Daniel Jones getting the ball on the ground 
Uh, Daniel Jones not throwing the ball more than 10, 15 yards, although he has the talent, has the ability. And and the biggest thing will always be the red zone efficiency. The Giants have been really bad in the red zone with Daniel Jones since he, they've had him. It, it's been a real hit or miss experience. Uh, having Saquon Barkley has saved a lot of those scenarios. Uh, you get bailed out a little bit when you have an elite running back in the, in the red zone and you can't get anything done. But uh, the one thing that they really need to get better at is I don't know, just like dialing up the plays where they can get three or four yards when they're like at the 20 and make things a little bit more reasonable on second and short or, or make it second and short rather than having a second and 10. There were a lot of uh, mediocre first down play calls where they couldn't throw the ball, couldn't complete the ball. Second and 10 is very scary when you're in the red zone and you have to get to the six or seven yard line to get, get four more downs and they couldn't do it. A, a lot of field goals last year. The only thing I'm really hoping is they don't take the reins off. I'm hoping they do the same thing as last year. Uh, obviously, you have better weapons for the short yardage game too. Like having Darren Waller in there will be very helpful. Uh, I, I'm not really questioning that. Uh, I'm really hoping that things stay uh, similar to last year. Saquon Barkley should touch the ball even more than he did last year, if at all possible. Uh, he proved that he can stay healthy. Uh, I don't think you're really expecting a whole lot out of Daniel Jones. I think you're more expecting the team as a unit to function together with Daniel Jones being the safeguarding uh commandeer take over everything take things away from uh, Saquon Barkley take pressure off of Saquon Barkley and kind of just control the game at, as the quarterback I think that's all you're looking for uh, I would be shocked if he was any worse than than a Ryan Tannehill this year or a Kenny Pickett this year I think that you're talking about a guy that will very well um, he's going to give you a strong performance most games he's not going to wow you with his numbers he's not going to do anything crazy he'll probably have a couple decent runs but uh, you're just looking for consistency that's all Giants quarterback, all we're looking for is, is Daniel Jones to do what he did last year. Uh, don't need anything crazy. Just as long as they don't turn the ball over, everything will be great. I mean, with Jones, like, I mean, I can't say I watched a ton of ton of Giants last year, but I think like Abel found ways to kind of cover up for cover up for some of the liabilities in DJ's game, and whether that translates to a forty billion dollar quarterback is an situation entirely, but. I think on the whole, like this year, like they'll grind Saquon into the dust <laughs> and kind of, and then discard and then discard his uh, leftovers after the season. I think that will be what probably what they do, like sentimental sentimentality be damned. And I think, like at the very least, like currently, like putting more of the responsibility for the offense on Saquon rather than DJ has been the answer. Like and. I think they've minimized the ways in which DJ can, with Daniel Jones, can kind of uh, capsize the offense, if you will. And I think Daniel Jones also made improvements, I think, in his quarterbacking game last year, like which speaks to the incompetency, incompetency of the Giants staff before David came in. But that's another issue entirely. So I, I, I'm not incredibly high on DJ's like natural talent in that regard, but... I think he's in a good situation where I think he can make the most out of what he's given. And like, they're not going to ask him to do way too much, you know, kind of a, kind of a variation of the Kyle Shanahan type of situation where they don't ask their quarterback to do a whole lot, except they don't have his greatest weapons on the outside as I think the Niners do. So that there is lies an issue. So it can, it kind of, I think Daniel Jones, like under, uh, I think the situation with Saquon has kind of overshadowed the fact that, on the outside, like their receivers are not great. Like, like Darius Slayton is like and it is mercurial. I think that'd be the best way to put it. Like he he shows that he can kind of sometimes put it together, but more often than not, he doesn't. Also, there's also a fancy where drops in from McCarthy, unless I'm unless I'm mixing it up with 
another Giants wide receiver. They all, like last year, the Giants wide receivers all felt kind of interchangeable, if you will. Like after so after Stoney Shepard got hurt, like there's Richie James, there's Isaiah, Isaiah Hodgins, there's uh, Wandale, I think was also hurt, if I remember correctly. There's, yes. There's uh, Slayton. Like a bunch of guys I had never even heard of. And obviously, like now that you're free of the anchor of Kenny, Gall- Kenny Galladay, like I think that's a reason to celebrate in New York in and of itself. But I, the, I think the Giants are aware of the limitations in terms of weapons they have other than Saquon Barkley. And well, now that they're Darren Waller, they have one more weapon at least, provided he can stay healthy. But so I think they're doing a wise thing and trying to try to like kind of dumb down is not the right word for it, like, but kind of simplify the playbook and kind of what Daniel Jones has to do, which maximizes their chances of success. Like, so as Dan- as Donovan just said, like it's not because of Daniel Jones that you're winning these games, but at least you can put in measures so that you're, he's not the reason you lose the games. And I think that kind of speaks to the line of, as you mentioned, a Dalton, like the Dalton like quarterback. Like, although I think I have him a little lower than the Dalton line, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. So, but uh, because like a team of Daniel Jones, a quarterback is probably not going to be a serious Super Bowl contender. And I think that was kind of the issue. That was kind of like the whole, uh, definition of the Dalton line is that if he's if, if a guy's above the Dalton line like you don't you're not actively looking for a replacement and I think then I think before they kind of had to bite the bullet and give him a deal like I think they were looking at ways to try to see if they can replace it and I think one semi-good season doesn't change that all right YB go ahead no quarterback Give us give us a final quarterback, and then I'll, I'll I'll go rapid fire asking you guys about some of the quarterbacks that I have in my potpourri list. Um, I think Brock Purdy will be talked about enough by the national media, so let's leave him aside for now, like because that's going to be covered all across every other podcast or whatever. So I'm going to go with Sam Howell. Like Sam Howell, he had one he had a one game sample last year, but he was okay, and. The Washington staff, for better or for worse, have been very firmly behind having Howell as a starter, even after bringing in Jacoby Brissett. And I think he's played well. He's played well in the preseason, and he has good weapons. Although McLaurin's now sporting an injury, but McLaurin, Dotson, Sammy was a pretty good wide receiver core. They have two fungible running backs in Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, and. Logan Thomas is obviously older, but I think they've, I think Kyle's put up a good connection with Cole Turner, their other tight end. So I think he, he has, he has good weapons. I think better weapons than I think most people realize, but we only seen one game and preseason, obviously like it can mean absolutely nothing. Like when you look back on it. So he's, he's a real black box. Like, and I mean, I'm interested to see like, because They've been crying out for a good quarterback play for a while now as well. The Washington, and obviously they're free of Dan Snyder, which is an issue, which is something to be celebrated. But with Sam Howell, like I think Rivera and a lot of the coaching staff are basically putting their jobs on the line for Howell. And if it doesn't work, then I think a lot of people will be gone. Hand up. This is uh, Eric Jensen being extremely honest. Uh, I do have to make a living. I do have to go into a nine to five job every day. Uh, can I just submit something to you guys right now? Highlights, Twitter clips, 
I've never watched a second of Sam Howell in the NFL. I have no opinion on Sam Howell whatsoever. You could tell me he's going to be great. I believe you. You could tell me he's going to suck. I'd also believe you. I have no opinion or clue on Sam Howell. I just want to put that up. That's integrity. That's integrity right there. Do you see what I just did? That is absolute podcasting integrity from the host of the End Zone Podcast, Eric Jensen. Mark that down on the record. I just want that on record. To be perfectly honest, I think a lot of people that watch football casually are pretty much on the same situation as you. They have no oh, idea what the hell Sam Howell that's an insult. I do not watch football casually. <laughs> you take that back, you son of a bitch. But um, no, I've, I've never watched a second of Sam Howell. And um, unless he really puts up a, a stellar performance in week one, I don't even know if I'll prioritize watching, you know, Commander's week one on game pass which i have this year and or highlights on youtube so we'll we'll see i watch all the week one games though so who am i kidding of course i'll watch sam howell in week one but um yeah that's uh that's where i'm at with sam howell all right i gotta do this because this is my podcast god damn it and i am the host i have russell wilson at 22 i am I want that arm record, Brad. I have him at 22. I have him, of the quarterbacks I felt comfortable ranking, I put him last, okay? I think that's as, uh, about as objective as I can be as a journalist, as a man of, of, of my art, as a man of integrity, as we've just discussed. I just want to ask you, because both of you have asked me, and everyone has asked me, what are your expectations for Russell Wilson this year? With Sean Payton, knowing he's not going to have a fully healthy wide receiver room for the start of the year, knowing that he's probably got a pretty short leash because they did pay Jared Stidham a lot of money. And Jared Stidham, by the way, lit up the Rams in the preseason, looked pretty good. Like, what are we expecting from Russell Wilson? We don't need to go in depth on this. I just want like two or three sentences from both of you. Why be you first? Dalton, my quarterback. Okay. That's that's the I, extent of it. Dalton my quarterback. I I I take that. If he's somewhere near the middle of the pack, I would absolutely take that. I, I don't think Russ is as cooked as I think people made him out to be last year. Like I think last year was just a bad amalgamation of everything. And so I think with Sean Payton and hopefully with Russ like actually listening to Sean Payton, like I think he can be basically the 2023 Dalton. As long, Eric, as long as we're not getting the, the, the green screen, let's ride and, and all that during the season, I'm happy. A- anything's better than what we got last year. Um, th- I think that he just doomed himself, honestly, going into things. It, it seemed like obviously like the social media team set him up for some real, real failures there, which is not not what the social media team is there to do. So uh, obviously a really bad miscalculation there. They probably thought he was going to be better than he was. Um, you would You would hope that he can't get any worse. Like, like really, last year it was really poor. The team is really bad. Eric, you watched it. You were telling me this team is making the playoffs last year, and all of a sudden you're getting Russell Wilson. Looks like he's – I don't even know. I don't even know what the comparison is. I didn't think he was going to be that bad. He won't be as bad as he was last year. The, the Broncos aren't going to be great. Sorry, Eric. I, I don't want to disappoint you. I'm sure that you're you're very well prepared for that to happen. Yeah. Um, but it's it'll be better than last year, though. So, so improvement, yes, that much. 
No, the t- the team. No, <laughs> him, him. He could be better for sure. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not as low. I definitely a lot more confidence in him than Nathaniel Hackett. Um, and and you know Sean Payton, he'll get it done. Uh, I'm I'm not really worried. I think that he'll be better. Uh, I don't think the Broncos are gonna be great, but at least you'll have fun watching Russell Wilson. Hopefully, not look like you know a laughing stock joke embarrassment uh, as he was last year. All right. The guys that are impossible to rank, the rookies slash Jordan Love. Also, who let's just very quickly, no need to go into deep discussion here, just around the horn quick. Who is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL? I'll start Baker Mayfield easy, no doubt in my mind. Baker Mayfield is horrendous. I don't care what anyone else says. Baker Mayfield is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Hands down. I couldn't put him on this list because it's kind of impossible to rank him right now, but there is no way he succeeds. He is a bad quarterback. He will not be a starter next year. No way he succeeds is is a, is a really hard leash to, to jump on because it's not like Baker Mayfield's always been a bad quarterback in the NFL. Like He's been a bad some... quarterback for the past for most four of years. his career. Most yeah, of his career, uh, four, four, four years is a stretch because 2020 Baker Mayfield was electric. We can't forget that they were, that was a good Browns team. It was the only good Browns team that he was ever on. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not high on Baker Mayfield. I would actually say, I think like, like, I don't know. Ryan Tannehill might be worse than Baker Mayfield at this point. I would, I would, Whoa. I would merge. <laughs> I, I would work. I would merge. Oh, I, please. I that, watched that's a lot. Bad. I watched a lot of Ryan Tannehill last year. I worked in I worked in fantasy sports last year, so I was kind of keeping up with everything. Ryan Tannehill looked like shit last year. Ryan Tannehill, uh, Baker Mayfield could be a bad quarterback. Ryan Tannehill looked like he was a totally like w- kind of lost. Uh, obviously, the team was really bad, and without the running back, it's just a- a- any team would struggle without their star running back. The Titans, especially, you kind of saw. Um, th- there's there's definitely question marks there. But man, I I think Ryan Tannehill is is just garbage at this point. I think that Baker Mayfield's ceiling is higher than whatever Ryan Tannehill will give you. I mean, there's definitely, I don't think you can really even argue Ryan Tannehill being like worse, better than a bottom five quarterback in the league this year. But I definitely don't, maybe I'm not as, as down on Baker Mayfield because I like the storylines and I like him hitting his head and he's got no helmet on. He's going to go give you a headbutt regardless of what. And, and I feel like he's a great leader, somebody that I, I could get behind. Um, I, I really hate Ryan Tannehill. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just, it's been a really, really <laughs> depressing I, I used to think Ryan Tannehill was a decent quarterback, but things have just gone really downhill in his uh, – he's not even that old, to be honest. He's just – in his later years, the last couple of years, it feels like it's kind of fallen off, especially the last two years. And it feels like he is just more of like a mediocre game manager than a decent game manager. And, and I would really – I'd merch him being even worse this year. It just it just feels like he, it's time to let go of the Ryan Tannehill starting quarterback thing in my eyes. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's great. Um and I, I don't I don't think Baker Mayfield is, is going to do anything special, but I, I just I really hate Ryan Tannehill for whatever reason. Uh, it just it's just a bit of slow dive into the ground for me with Ryan Tannehill. Um, and I, I'm very unimpressed at this point. I should have qualified this by I should have qualified this, by the way, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. But is not a Cardinals quarterback because the Cardinals are like not a real NFL team. Uh, YB. Well, if you put that if you put it that way, I, I would, it would have been either Josh Dobbs or Clayton too. But since that's off the option, I mean, I mean, I would probably go with Baker as well. Like, because Baker, I think we know what he is. Like, uh, well, okay, it, uh, let's be fair. 
Baker's actually shown like some things in the NFL. So even though I like him, you can make the argument that Desmond Ritter is the worst quarterback, worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, and like Desmond Ritter, like his first game was pretty god awful, and then like he he was learning on the fly basically on in a lost season at the end. And Listen. I think like Desmond Ritter, like I mean, I like the I like the dude. Like I think he. He seems like a pretty. He seems like a good dude, and I think he has some tools, at least, to be that kind of like a mid-level ceiling quarterback. But as it currently stands, and draft pedigree, everything, and also the situation, also kind of what they what they've actually shown. Like, like Desmond Ritter, you can make the argument is that worst uh, non-Cardinals QB that's starting in the NFL current. You can make that argument. My only argument with Desmond Ritter was he got better every single game he played. He got slightly better every single game he played. And I think he can not turn the ball over and be a really good game manager and lead a really successful rushing attack. That's where I'm at with Desmond Ritter. Anything else is too much. All right. Quarterback potpourri list. I'm going to throw out just some rapid-fire quarterback takes. This is... Just me getting stuff off my chest. You guys get ready to throw out random rapid-fire quarterback takes, and then we'll get out of here. This did go two hours. This, by the way, is our first two-hour episode in like a year and a half. So, Donnie, give me some credit. This is pretty good. It's pretty good that it took me a year and a half to get to another two-hour episode. It just, ha- it just happened to be an episode where I was on that it had to be two hours. Of course, Eric. No surprise. <laughs> All right. Notice a trend here? Yeah. Here we go. Uh. Jordan Love, I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love could be a middle-of-the-road, pretty good quarterback. Haven't seen it yet. He cannot be terrible. He sat four years behind Aaron Rodgers. I think he's learned a lot. I think he showed enough in the preseason to believe that if his receivers don't hurt him with drops, he can be between the 15th and 21st best quarterback in the NFL. C.J. Stroud, think, will be the best rookie quarterback. Anthony Richardson is going to be a holy shit quarterback in that there will be times when you say, holy shit, that was awesome. And there will be times when you say, holy shit, like, what was that? Was that even a football play? Like, I I don't understand. Why are you throwing the ball backwards while jumping like sideways? Like, I don't, I don't understand how that happened on a football field. Like that's the kind of player Anthony Richardson is going to be. Bryce Young, I think you'll be average. Uh, I'm kind of concerned. They don't have a good offensive line. He looks like an average quarterback. I think Stroud does way better than him this year. That's kind of my quarterback potpourri takes. Um, I said my Desmond Ritter take. Anything else on this list that I really feel strongly about? No. Jimmy G won't stay healthy, so that doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I've said all I need to say on quarterbacks. Donnie, you're up. How did you put Matthew Stafford at number 11? Can we just, before we get, get finish this up, how did Stafford end up right outside the top 10 for you? How did Deshaun Watson end up at number 10 for you? How did we, I just, I like glanced over this until until right now. How did how did we, as a collective, allow, like I, I'm maybe I'm lower on Matthew Stafford, but Deshaun Watson looked like ass last year. Like, I, I understand that people are thinking he's going to come back, but t- top 10 quarterback Deshaun Watson is, is fucking crazy, Eric. It is insane to put him I, as a top I, 10 quarterback. That's a totally, I'll, I'll say this. That's a totally fair argument. You make totally fair arguments on both. 
I thought it was impossible to evaluate both of them because Matthew Stafford didn't have an offensive line and is an injury-prone quarterback. And if he doesn't have an offensive line again, he's going to get injured again this year. But I do think if Matthew Stafford has a decent offensive line, he'll be a top 10 quarterback this year because that's what he's been his entire career. Like we've seen this, like we know what Matthew Stafford is at this point. Like I'm not well, going to put him any lower than 11. Deshaun Watson, I, it's been, he didn't play football for two years. Like he could get better. I didn't want to put him outside of a top 10 because he showed for so many years that he was a top five quarterback at points. Like I didn't know where to put him. I don't know how to evaluate him. Those are fair things to freak out about, but I don't have answers because I don't have answers for either of those players. I mean, I, honestly, that's fair. I'm not even. I'm not even mad. That's fine. That's good with me. I'll, I'll take that. Eric. Usually, you give me some some bullshit answer that doesn't make any sense, but that's 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 really good for you. That's this is like this is top tier podcasting for Eric Jensen today. Deshaun Watson, I think, like the reason, the only reason I had him high was to reverse chicks it so that he's he's ass less ass this year. <laughs> that's I right, can that's get right. behind that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and also with with Stafford, like 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 obviously, like I think it's like a basically like a an older and more injury prone version of Tua in this in this in this scenario now because like even with like, the year before, not not last season, but the year before, he had an he had an incredible season. Like and. I don't care how good the system is and how good the weapons are. Like, if you're not a good quarterback, you don't have that kind of season. And I don't think a quarterback like Stafford's, what, 34, 30, 33, 34, something like that? Like, he's younger than Tannehill, for Christ's sake. <laughs> so I think, like, we, like we're I think assuming best-case scenario, and I think also assuming health, because I'll, if we were assuming health, I don't think Tua and Lamar would have been as high as that they were up there. Like, so if we take that into account, obviously. But, yeah, assuming health and the O line isn't great in in Los Angeles, after especially after Whitworth retired. But if Cooper Cup is healthy, because he's Cooper Cup, and if and if Stafford can remain upright for seventeen games, I think he'll be he'll be above the Dalton line. Like he'll be like somewhere between ten and fifteen, like with the potential to be a lot higher if things go according to plan. Like putting him at thirteen, I don't think is a huge like mistake in that regard. Sean Watson, I put it there because I wanted to reverse jinx it. Fair. I, I just think the only thing with, with Stafford that we have to remember is he had a major elbow injury, which as a as a quarterback, very important. He had multiple in the last couple of years. He's been really, really like all the time. Yeah, he's been I think up a lot. coming back from an elbow injury at 34 or 35 is kind of crazy. Like something that knocked him out for, I think he missed eight, eight games, nine games with yeah. said injury. Like that's 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 a serious, serious concern. An elbow injury is something that can nag forever for the rest of your career, something like that. And he never really had any elbow issues before uh, that. It it's scary. In my opinion, I think there's definitely a chance that we've seen the best Matt Stafford uh, with the Rams. We're never going to see him play anywhere near what he did uh, in his first year with the Rams. I, I think that there's definitely a potential that it's just from here. It's, it is what it is with Matt Stafford, obviously with, it's not like it's a great team. We're, we're not, we're not talking about a, a wonderful, wonderful, the offensive group outside of Cooper Cup, I'm thinking we're talking like pretty mediocre, pretty league average uh, receiver group. Uh, offensive line, you really never know, honestly. Like, I, I think that they'll be, they can't be worse than they were. Like, he's good. He'll stay upright be, just solely by the fact that he's going to have a better, uh, healthy offensive line this year. Yeah. But man, yeah. I just, I'm so scared. Last year. I'm, I'm so afraid of, of Matt Stafford as a as an entity in this league, given the elbow. It, it really it really concerns me when a quarterback has a major major injury like that. That's fair. All right, YB, I'm going to let 
Donnie take the poison pill and and be the last person to speak on this podcast. So he will decide how long this goes. He will be the sole deciding factor of how long this goes. But final thoughts, your final thoughts on QBs, anything that you need to get off your chest, any hot takes, any whatever you need to say, say what you need to say. Bye, everybody. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, CJ Stroud, like, I'm, I'm interested in this scene because that receiver, that receiver room is also kind of interesting as well. A lot of young guys, very unproven, two rookies. I don't know, basically one, one guy who made it well be a rookie because he was bad like cancer last year. So, and it's it'll be interesting to see if he can like because obviously Stroud comes from last day where he had Marvin Harrison and Vekal Luka, so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty mean step down from there. So I want to see how he adjusts. It'll be an interesting project to see. Donnie, wrap us up. You know, Eric, I want you to wrap it up. I'm not saying anything here. I don't got anything. I want you to to give the respect to YB and me for coming on the podcast. I need you to thank us. I don't want to be the last word. I need you to say thank you. You have to appreciate us. We appreciated you by giving you two hours here. Yes, yes, of course. Well, uh, I was going to get, of course, I was going to have the last word. It's my podcast. But I was just saying, you know. I I want you I want you to give me the last word right now. I want you to tell me how much you appreciate me and YB for being here. Listen, it is midnight on the East Coast. It is uh, Donnie's got a job that he's got to work. I'm sure he got off today later and and hopped right on this podcast. He's a good man. He's he's always there to podcast with me. He's going to be on a lot more this season. I promise those won't go two hours, but they, they really haven't. It really hasn't been that long since you've done a two-hour podcast. YB, I, I think YB has a fake job at this point. Like, I'm not like, or at least, what I'll say this. What YB does just makes me feel so much better. Because I will say, I go into work every day and I get all my work done in like the first two hours and then I just sit there and read The Athletic. If I really wanted to, if I found a quiet space, I could do an hour, 45 minute podcast at work, but somehow YB pulls it off and is still employed and still has a job and his bosses will never hear this. So like, screw you guys. I mean, YB is just basically stealing your time. It's crazy. Like, like he's just getting paid to sit here and bullshit about the NFL and quarterbacks for two hours on some random Thursday in Seoul, South Korea. Like, that's pretty sweet, YB. Like you, you just I will say this. Like I basically run I basically uh podcasted through my lunch through my lunch break right now. So Eric, yeah. you gotta appreciate him. He just took his lunch break to podcast with you. Yeah, I mean he's he's a good man. He's he's a great man. He's a great man. And uh lots of great men involved in this podcast. One day we'll have a woman on and and we'll we'll have we'll have all genders represented. Like this is it's a beautiful time, it's a beautiful place to be in this podcast. This is my favorite podcast of the year. Donnie has left the screen. It's time to wrap this shit up. It's been two hours. We'll be back this weekend. Maybe some new guests, some new characters, potentially. We'll see, but I'm really going to try to get Brad involved. I don't think YB can make it, unfortunately, because of some of the time difference stuff. But we're going to do our final playoff prediction and Super Bowl stuff. And YB, text me that stuff. I'll read off all your stuff on that uh, as well. Yeah, expect that Monday at some point. And with that... We're like 
now technically Donnie's seven days away from football. Like, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Check out the End Zone Podcast on Twitter at End Zone Pod. Thank you for listening to this marathon episode, those of you who stayed till the end. Your real ones. I love you all. Peace out.